If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 100. We'll look at the 100th Psalm this morning and continue on, even though Thanksgiving is over. Thanksgiving is never really over in the heart of the believer, is it not? Then we continue on uh, post-Thanksgiving with the spirit and a heart of Thanksgiving as we move into this Christmas season, which should evoke in us another and new layer of Thanksgiving, reminding us that uh, God has made a way for us uh, through Jesus. So three quick questions as we turn to Psalm 100. First and foremost, what are you thankful for? I hope that you had a moment and some time uh, as this Thanksgiving season hit that you could stop and pause and count your blessings and name them one by one, that you could think through all the ways in which the Lord has blessed you. And I hope that you verbalize them out loud and that you had a string by which it just continued and continued, either you fell asleep doing it or whether you had to go ahead and start eating before you got to the end of your list. I pray that you had that intentional time to stop and say thank you for what the Lord has blessed you with. But also, secondly, and maybe even more important than what are you thankful for, but to whom are you thankful? It's, it's good to know what you're thankful for, but also to recognize to whom you are thankful for what the Lord has done. I know the older I've gotten before, as a kid, you're thankful for the stuff. You're thankful for clothes, you're thankful for the toys, you're thankful for food and all that kind of stuff. But as the older you get, you become more and more thankful for your parents and the provision of those things. And so you become just more grateful, more thankful to your parents and you recognize that those things that you used to be thankful for came by the hand of someone else. And so it's important to know what you're thankful for, but also to whom you are thankful. And then thirdly, how do we express that gratitude? It's good to know what we're thankful for and to whom we're thankful, but how do we express our thankfulness? What does it look like to be thankful and show and demonstrate your thankfulness? And so this morning, I think Psalm 100, to me, serves as a, a treatise in how to demonstrate and show and orchestrate your thankfulness to the Lord. And I believe as we are thankful to the Lord, it works itself and manifests itself out to a grateful and thankful person in every realm of our life. And so this morning, we look and we charge ourselves to be thankful and grateful to the Lord. But I believe as we do that, you will find each of us at a more thankful and grateful spot for all that is around us. So let's look and turn our affections and attention to Psalm chapter 100 and the 100th Psalm. Let's read it together. Well, I'll read it and you can follow along in your Bible. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, where we come together today and um, Lord, I can confess that even this morning there's so many things on our hearts other than gratefulness, thanksgiving. We could have walked into this place with fear and frustration and anger and anxiety, grief and hurt and pain. Maybe this week uh, we found ourselves in places that we never thought we would be doing things or saying things that we never thought we would, and so we find ourselves in uh, a different spot today. I pray that we don't leave this sanctuary 
the same way that we came in. I believe, I pray that our hearts would be more in tune to your will and calling in our lives, that we would be more grateful, more thankful to you for all that you have done in, through, and to us. We recognize in these short few verses, there is so much richness to be found. Lord, don't let us stay the same. Work in our hearts, work in our souls right now, Lord, as we work through this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. The first thing that we see from these five verses, and uh, I'll give you the, the cliche of the morning, would be to look at the attitude of gratitude. To look at the attitude of gratitude that the psalmist would give us. Uh, look at the verbiage, the wordage that, that he gives here to make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come into his presence with singing, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and bless his name. There's a lot of joy-filled words that the psalmist would use to remind us that this is not entering into his gates with grumbling and gripling and downcast, that we're entering into his courts with thanksgiving and praise, with gladness. Charles Spurgeon said of Psalm 100, he said, our happy God should be worshiped by a happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and his gratitude, and the gratitude with which we cherish for his mercies. Yeah, I love that thought. A, our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. There are times we look at God and we think about God just being cosmically angry at everybody and everything at all times. We just think he sits up in heaven just angry with all creation. But you see, how does he ask us to enter his courts with thanksgiving and with praise, with a joyful noise, all the earth? That he calls us and would require and ask us to come with thanksgiving and, and joy in our hearts over what he has done in and through and for and to us. So you see three ways in which we give a joyful noise to the Lord. The first is shout, make a joyful noise. We make a joyful noise all the earth. The desire, as Revelation would say, that every tribe, tongue, and nation would be singing praise around the throne, that we would make a joyful noise. So are you in your life making a joyful noise to the Lord? Are you serving the Lord with gladness? Are you coming into his presence with singing? Just a few weeks ago, um, I think these verses maybe came alive more in my heart than in a long time. I said just a few weeks ago, or maybe Tommy, you were sitting right now, Uh, right after the fire hit and sitting in this room uh, contemplating how we were going to have worship here in this sanctuary. It was important to me as we've had this attack on our church that we would meet together and worship on the same space by which was attacked. I thought that was important. So as we were sitting here, we recognized for the first time that gasoline had been poured right down this aisle and this aisle right here. And my heart began to be so downcast to think we're not going to be able to meet here in this building together Uh, to sing and to worship together. And so my heart began to be downcast as we thought that the next best option was the parking lot. Not quite what we wanted to hear. My heart further got downcast as we moved that parking lot worship service to the parking garage, the municipal parking garage. The first Sunday back, it felt like there was some defeat in my own soul. But as we walked in, as the service began, the very first song that we sang from our lips was what? To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. 
in the midst of all that we were facing, in the midst of all the frustration and even anger at what was happening and maybe fear, all the things lingering in the air, to come together as a faith family and sing those all important words, to God be the glory. There was something different in the air. They were not words on a hymnal that we were singing out because it was part of the service. It was something deep in our souls to say, to God be the glory. Great things that he's doing in our midst here and among us, that he is doing something here and among us. And so we're singing it out differently than we had in the past. Because we recognize that the Lord is working. He's doing something right here, right now. And so to sing out, to make a joyful noise to the Lord is not an expression of service in which you read the hymnal and you say, to God be the glory, great things he has done. No, it's to echo a cry in your heart to say, to God be the glory. As you leave this place on Sunday mornings to sing the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's a recognition. Or thank you for all the blessings that are before us and have come before us. Friends, to make a joyful noise to the Lord is a recognition. To serve the Lord with gladness is a recognition. To come into his presence with singing is a recognition that he is a good God. That he has made a way for your salvation where we could not make it on our own. And so we most assuredly come into his presence with thanksgiving because how else could we come? With pride? I would think not. We come with thanksgiving, recognizing in full recognition of what he has done and the scripture will continue on. But you see how important the idea of thanksgiving is to our Christian existence. If you would turn for just a moment to Romans chapter one, you can see clearly how when we as a people refuse to thanks, to give thanks or to honor the Lord for what he has done, you see the the spiral pathway that Romans one takes. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing about those that are unrighteous and who have taken a a pathway towards unrighteousness. And Paul writes there in Romans chapter 1, he says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or, or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The people would rather worship creation rather than creator. And you see this all-important passage. It says, although they knew God, although they had head knowledge of his existence, they didn't honor him or give thanks to him. And you see from our scripture memory in the, in the month of March, for do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that in our prayers, a heartbeat of thanksgiving is lifted up. In every prayer that we pray, we're thankful. In the midst of our praise to the Lord, we're thankful. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Thankfulness binds our Christian existence almost all the way together. That we live in light of what he has done. So in our prayers, we bind everything together with thanksgiving. In our praise, we bind everything together with thanksgiving. And it's reality of the Christian heart. We don't want to become futile in our thinking. We don't want to have our foolish hearts darkened to refuse even though we know God and what he has done, to refuse to give him the praise and the glory and the honor and the thanksgiving that he deserves. Because number two, we see the recognition of whose we are. You see, verses one and two would lead us into this pathway to show us three expressions of our thankfulness. And verse three gives us the the why of why we do it, along with verse five. You see, verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. 
You see, the same is true with Romans 1.22. Although they knew God, it didn't lead to anything different happening. It led them to dishonor God with their lives. And you see verse 3 in Psalm 100, know, not just a head knowledge, but a deep in your innermost being, you know that the Lord, he is God. Now, implicit in that is that he is God and you are not I don't mean to be trite to any of us, but it's a, it's a clear reminder that he is God and we are not. And when we recognize that, it leads us into a place of humility over us. As we know that the Lord, he is God and that we are not, we find purpose in the reality that we're not living for ourselves. We're living for the Lord. Rick Warren's most famous book, The Purpose Driven Life, is people are looking for their purpose in life. As they're looking for their purpose in this world that we live in, Rick starts his book with the simple phrase, it's not about you. It's this backwards Christian life that as we follow the Lord, as we lay down our lives, we, we find him. And so we recognize that he is God. And look at the proper orientation in verse 3 and 4. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. They're not ours. They're his. It is he who made us. It is he who is the, she- the shepherd and we are the sheep. And so we continue to recognize that he is in control. He sits on the throne and so we don't have to be. But in that recognition, it should lead us to a place of utter thanksgiving. To recognize that he is the shepherd. We are not. He is God. We are not. It leads us to a place of so much thanksgiving. Uh, Before I came as the pastor, or came on staff here as the associate pastor at First Baptist, I was the pastor of Argo Baptist Church. Anybody know where Argo is? Right north, a few of you there. Uh, Right north of Trustville, Alabama, which is right north of Birmingham, Alabama most famous for uh, their drive-in movie theater, which has now uh, gone under. So it's it's just Argo. Um, It's a great place, wonderful place, three years uh, being the pastor of Argo Baptist Church. And they had two goals in mind for this new young pastor and his wife was first and foremost to fatten me up. Uh, That was their, uh, maybe one of their top priorities. So we began having monthly uh, lunches after church in which it was never, uh, never ate quite enough. Ladies would come by and poke my belly and, see if it had grown any. Brittany did not appreciate it as much, but um, that was goal number one. The second goal, being from Montgomery in the city, was that they believed that they could make me a man. Um, They couldn't believe that I didn't have a pocket knife. I didn't carry a pocket knife and that I'd never gone hunting before. And so they uh, just filled me with all these things about what it meant to be a man. And part of that uh, was doing work on my car. Uh, You know me, I've spoken many times about my um, sheer insufficiency as a mechanic or anything that relates to anything fixable. Um, And so one Sunday morning, I brought the car up to the church and uh, they could hear the brakes squeaking from, I think, the, you know, the town next to it. And so one of our great deacons asked me to bring my car over to fix the brakes because that's what we do as men is we fix our cars and we don't take them to mechanics. And so I did what Billy asked me. I drove the car over to his house, parked it in the driveway and said, there it is, Billy. I'll go inside and have tea with the kids. You got it. Billy had other plans. We spent the next, what felt like four or five days out in his driveway fixing my two brakes on the front of the car. Now, Billy began to bring out every tool imaginable from his shed. Every tool imaginable. 
These things wheeled out, he carted them out, tools that I didn't know existed. I still cannot call what tool uh, we were using. But that man brought out every tool known to man, every can of spray and stuff that would be evolved and break changing. And we began to work. I began to take the tire off, did it wrong. Billy helped me take the tire off. I began to jack up the car. I did it wrong. Billy helped me take, jack the car up. I began to pull things out of the car that I don't think needed to be out of the car and Billy helped put them back and then uh, Billy showed me where the brakes were. I think I didn't know where they were. And so Billy helped me take the brakes off the car and uh, he showed me what the new brakes and what the difference was and I began to put the brakes back on the car. Did it wrong. Billy helped me put the brakes back on the car. Billy began to spray stuff into the car to help the brakes break. I don't know. And so Billy, they're helping this entire time. And if I could add to my contribution to the brakes being fixed was probably a negative number on the spectrum. I mean, I, I did nothing but hurt Billy in this process. Got the car all fixed up and drove it away. It was actually Brittany's car. So I wanted to make sure that Billy did all the work. Um, so we left there. And the first time I saw my grandfather, who's a mechanic, I, I ran up to my pop-up and I said, pop-up, you won't believe it. I changed the brakes on my car. You won't believe it. I did, I did it. I changed the brakes in the car. And so Pop-Pop said, well, how'd it go? What did you do? I have no idea. I had nothing. I didn't do anything. You know, at times, we have a, maybe a similar type mentality. What do we do? I drove my car to Billy's house. Billy did every conceivable thing of those brakes. He gave every tool known to man to me to help me fix this car, this car. He undid every possible mistake that I made on those brakes. And at the end of the day, somehow to my grandfather, I tried to take credit for what Billy had ultimately done. How often do we live our lives in light of, look at what I've done. Look at the brakes that I fixed. Look at the stuff that I've done. Look at the stuff that I've accumulated. Look at all this great things that I've acquired. But in the day, we come back to verse three. We know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are is. We are the sheep of his pasture. We go back to John chapter 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Psalm 23 reminds us that it's he who leads us and guides us. The reason we have no fear is because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Recognize Psalm 23, 1. What does it say? Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. We are the sheep of his pasture. We don't invite this shepherd over to say, hey, shepherd, come over, attend what's going on here. And then once we get it all together, I'm going to kick you out and go, just go away. Let me tend my stuff here. No, we are the sheep of his shepherd, of his pasture. And so we recognize, we know that the Lord, he is God. That lead us to verse four. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. The recognition that he is God. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Verse five gives us the underpinning, the foundation for all of this when it says, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and ever and his faithfulness to all generations. The reason why we give thanks, the reason why we celebrate, the reason why we sing as a people is because he is worthy of it. 
because he has been faithful to generation beyond generation beyond generation. He's been faithful to you for year after year after year after year, not begrudgingly, but as Romans 8, 1 tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation. He loves and cares for us with no condemnation because we are in Christ Jesus. And so, yes, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Who else would love you like the Lord does? Who else would care for you like the Lord does? And so we taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who takes refuge in it because he is worthy. The wages of sin were death, but thanks be to God, the free gift is eternal, eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so we come to Psalm 95 as we land the plane this morning, as we Turn back just a few chapters, a few psalms over to Psalm 95. Would you turn in your Bible to Psalm 95? Because I believe Psalm 95 and Psalm 100 are so closely linked to one another. And if Psalm 100 doesn't hit you where it, it doesn't uh, get you where it, uh, I can't figure out what I'm trying to say. If it doesn't hit you right, then Psalm 95 might, might do the trick, okay? So Psalm 95, almost in the same vein and the same heartbeat. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving and let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. That he is not little g amongst other gods, that he is the one, the true God, and he is a great God. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and he formed the dry land. An assured reminder of why he is God and we are not. Because in his hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountain, the sea is his, and he made it, and he formed the dry land which reminds us that we bring him all of our anxieties, our small, big, large, everything in between. We can bring everything to him because he is God, and in his hands he holds all things together. Oh, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. As we conclude this morning, that's our invitation. From the pen of the psalmist to us, Today, if you hear his voice, if you hear the voice of the Lord calling out to you right now, if you hear his voice speaking to your heart, do not harden your heart. Romans chapter 1 reminds us of the pathway down to a hardened heart. You see it in Romans 121, though they knew God, they didn't honor him or give thanks. So we have a choice in how we respond to the Lord's calling this morning. We can choose our hearts towards rejoicing and thanksgiving. We can choose to pin our hearts to say, Lord, I thank you for all that you have done. Are we going to harden our hearts and not give honor and glory and praise to what the Lord has done in, through, to, and around each of us? Let's pray together. Lord, help us. Lord, we pray that we would, afresh and anew today, tune our hearts towards worship and thanksgiving. Or we confess at times we get focused on all the things that we have done, we have achieved, 
And we forget that we are the sheep of your pasture. We believe that we have protected ourselves. We believe that we have secured ourselves. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Lord, we fear not because you are with us. Your rod, your staff comfort us. You lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. And you lead us to restore our souls. So help us, Lord. We want to be a people on bended knee in thanksgiving for all that you have done. You are a great God. And we are grateful to worship. Lord, we love you and thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.